One of my favorite holiday traditions is actually pretty small and simple. It's a gift my dad picks out for all the kids, me and my younger siblings. We each get a calendar. There's nothing fancy about this calendar. I'm not even talking about like a custom-made one with family photos or anything like that. But this tradition dates back to some, some tough years we had financially as a family. My dad picked out calendars for my sister and me, and that was pretty much it. But they still meant a lot to us because our dad picked them out. These days, as adults, the best part is seeing which part of our personalities stick out to our father as something notable enough for us to display on our walls for a year. Star Wars, animals doing yoga poses, Parisian landmarks. It's like the results of a personality quiz, unwrapping our calendars each Christmas. Which thematic wall calendar are you, adult woman, according to your father? With the exception of a year when he didn't realize how much it meant to us and thought the gifts my stepmom picked out would be more than enough, my dad's picked out calendars for us every year for about 15 years. Wow, 15 years already? Dang. Dad's apparently already picked them out for us this year too, he says. Though I'll miss the cute costumed puppies that have adorned my hallway for the past 12 months here in 2020, I've got to say... Getting that 2021 calendar posted will feel really nice. Not just because it's a bit of tradition in this untraditional year, but because this year's calendar is full of scratch marks. Trips, canceled. Weddings, postponed, then canceled. Baby showers, concerts, vacation time labeled with exclamation points that fell flat. And where there are no scratch marks, there's nothing at all. Whole months this year were left blank. It's kind of weird to page through time this way. To take the calendar off the wall and look at each little box with a number on it as such a valid representation of most of the days of this year, either scribbled through or blank. Time is a weird construct. I've said it more times than I care to count on this podcast this year. During my interview, though, with Chef Ben Groupie, I could see tiny clocks spinning in the background of his Zoom window, Parts of a bigger installation that's part timepiece, part art. Very weird construct, quite literally. It's just one example, though, of how for Groupie, time is an inspiration. Even in 2020, at perhaps the weirdest time of all. Time is always moving. It's in constant evolution. That's how my food is, my inspiration behind my food. Today on Abbey Eats St. Louis... Tempus. The restaurant's name means time in Latin, and it's more fitting than Groupie could have ever planned for. Why the place opened more than a year after it was scheduled to, the unique methods of research and development that went into their menu, and the lessons Chef hopes will withstand time's tests. You know, it's it's a double-edged sword. Plus, food news, your weekend planner, and an adorable look inside Dory's newest holiday tradition. Ben Groupie's restaurant opening was not supposed to be like this. No, really, that sounds obvious in a pandemic, but it was not supposed to be in a pandemic. As in, this place was supposed to open well over a year ago. And even then, it was hotly anticipated. Groupie's first gig in a restaurant was washing dishes. He's come a long way. He went on to serve as executive chef at Elia, honored as a semi-finalist for the James Beard Award as Best Chef Midwest, and he's even served as a captain of the U.S. Culinary Olympic team. I know that doesn't sound real, but I promise, total gold. 
you know, Tempest was supposed to open about a year ago. We had some significant construction delays, um, mismanagements, managements, et cetera. Um, but with all that behind us, you know, it's pandemic or not, where Tempest started in its initial phase has kind of changed just as myself as a chef and a person have changed. It's like, initially it was supposed to be, like we said, fine dining, uh, prefix menus, tasting menus, like all this stuff. But it's like really thinking about it, it's like people that's for one, not sustainable. Um, two, and sustainable, I mean, like you're not going to get repeat regular business enough to sustain the, the financially sustain the restaurant too. It's like, I don't really want to, I want to have fun with it. And yes, you can have fun with it, but like you're, you're limited to that box. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, it's an a la carte, all a la carte menu and experience. Did you ever get to a point in all of this? Because I mean, you have delays, you have issues that cause you to have to not open. And then this thing of 2020 happens did you ever just want to like throw in the towel and just be like f it this is stupid i can't keep doing this anymore this is the universe oh 100 oh absolutely yeah if i said if i if i were to say no i would be 100 percent lying and kidding myself <laughs> like it's just like throughout my career it's like anything that's challenging or worthwhile really questions your decision of why I am doing this. Like I ask myself, not every day, but like, why am I doing this? Like yeah. I could, you know, I could be doing other things, but it's like, not to say this is all I know, but like, this is my craft. This is my job. This is what I've chosen to do. And I want to do it really well. Yeah. So like, oh, people have asked, why have you opened during a pandemic? Why not? Like, let's give someone, let's give our guests and people in our community something to experience and to talk about and to do. Like, this is Tempest. Now, the fanfare isn't just over the fact that Groupie's restaurant is finally open. It's that they've opened with everything catered to the takeout experience. The bags are sturdy and even, dare I say, beautiful. There's something elegant about them, like a really nice boutique shopping experience. Your meal comes with a thank you card. The cocktails are in really nice, heavy bottles with instruction cards. All of the food somehow fits in the takeout boxes perfectly. In short, this ain't no DoorDash. So I think one of the biggest hurdles for me personally was um, really wrapping my head around a takeout program. Um, in a nutshell, it seems fairly easy to execute or efficient to execute. I mean, it's essentially you're just putting food into a box or a container. Well, starting through that process, it's not as to be, to execute the level of food that we want to do to make sure cold food's cold, hot food's hot. The presentation stays the same. Um, you really get to, if you want to have like identifiable ingredients, um, you have to be put a lot of work and be thoughtful of what goes into that. It's not just as easy as, oh, we're going to whip up a beef short rib dish and just throw it in the box the way we would played it in the dining room. Boom, there we go. Uh, that's not the case. Um, so we spent quite a bit of time um, dialing in the menu that would be best executed for a to-go program. Yeah, because spent a lot of that's not something that chefs like yourself, I mean, people who find themselves 
as James Beard semifinalists often don't work at places with a strong, I don't want to use the word strong, with a, where takeout is a big part of their business model. And that's changed right. for all it, of St. Louis. Going back to like the beginning, like takeout was not even, was not even on the radar. It was a full service dining room, um, you know, with all that. So like having, you know, when everything went down in March, it was like, okay. So it was really just kind of like changing gears and then really focusing on <laughs> how to, how to keep the ethos of Tempest, how to keep the structure of Tempest, kind of what we're all about. How are we going to do that in a takeout model uh, with going back to, like food that you would do in a dining room. So like, it's one thing that we're noticing. It's like, you can't add these little, like we had the opportunity to get these beautiful mustard greens that would work great with the beef dish. So we plated up the beef dish. It's the beef rib dish with the cabbage that already has mustard in it. But these, I mean, these greens, they're from Earth Dance Farm. They're absolutely delicious. And we, Justin and I really wanted to put them on the beef dish. So we're like, well, Plated a couple up, let them sit, let one sit for five minutes, let one sit for 10 minutes, and then let it go for like 15, 20 minutes. And wow, so you did like a science experiment. With everything. Like that, literally every dish on this menu has, weeks, uh, a term I use is put it through the filter. Um, every dish on the menu has some iteration of uh, research and development put into it. So I cut you off before you said what happened to the mustard greens though. Oh, they completely died. They looked like crap. Yeah, it just looked like a wilted mess. The chicken sandwich that's on the menu right now is probably 12.0. You know, where it started to where it is now, it's, I mean, I, we consumed so much chicken for <laughs> weeks. It, I, it was, I was done. Like, it would be going to other restaurants and getting their chicken sandwiches. It would be going to, like, the Popeyes, the, the, oh, I don't even like the KFCs, the Lee's, like you, you check checked, you checked the Popeye's chicken sandwich for your research and development process. hundred <laughs> percent. Like I don't, so like with starting like how the, how I approach food, there's, you always like, I, there always needs to be a point of reference, like that beef dish. There's a point of reference for me. There's um, like the polenta is a great one. The cod dish, like really the entire menu I can pin, there's a point of reference for me or someone on my team that can relate to. And that's what we're trying, that's what I'm getting, wanting to get across with our guests is, you know, is it's like you said, it's comfort food. It's, it's familiar. It's, it's just very craveable and approachable. So chicken sandwich, it's like, okay, I want to, so it was like the list of sandwiches. It was like, okay, you're not going to make the cut. You're going to make, I want to do this, 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 and this. So then it was like, I wrote the menu. It's like, okay, we got a chicken sandwich on the menu. I've never made a chicken. I mean, I've made chicken sandwiches before in my career, but it's not like, okay, it's not as, <laughs> it's not as easy as you would think. So like we started with chicken. It, it, anyway, without going down a rabbit hole of chicken sandwiches. Uh, it sounds yeah, kind of tasty I, though, but okay. <laughs> but yeah, where we landed, we're very happy with it. It travels well. It retains heat very well. Um, 
yeah, and it's we're we're very pleased with it. This is not a, an inexpensive meal, and you are referencing things that are familiar to people. People could find a cheaper polenta. They could find a cheaper burger or chicken sandwich elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Is it hard right now to on on a business end? during a pandemic when a lot of people are watching their money and watching what they're spending to open a restaurant that asks people to spend a little bit more money for an experience in their own home? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's challenging. It's, you know, it's a decision that we're standing behind because the reality is, is the ingredients in the food is not cheap. It's not like we're going down to restaurant depot and or going to like, I don't know, a big box store and, you know, getting these generic ingredients, you know, we're, we're again, going back to serving sustainable foods, serving nutritious food, but also I don't feel I'm doing any justice to our guests or even our team of cutting any of those corners. Like, yeah, no, and I get that. I I, I get that. And none of this was meant to be a challenge of the prices on your menu. It's more about these days. Um, fine dining in general is, I feel like a harder sell fine dining often means there are going to be more dollar signs next to the name of the restaurant and the Yelp review. But is it, is that hard to be opening up a fine dining place where you don't cut corners like that? And you are selling a higher end product without the Mm -hmm. dining room and during a year that it's already, we're seeing more restaurants close than open. Right. I mean, I think fine dining comes with the, the term or the phrase fine dining comes with some pretension and preconceived notions. I think that is kind of like a ghost that's going to haunt me forever because of my background has been so um, focused on fine dining. Hmm. Um, so like to me, fine dining is properly and well-executed food, thoughtful food, um, proper service, hospitality service, warm, welcoming, inviting, and genuine hospitality. That to me is fine dining. Let's talk about time. You know, about time would actually have been a pretty suitable name for the restaurant after all. But amid all the changes, even with the passing of time, more time than he thought, Tempest remained. Groupie spends his time a lot differently than he anticipated this time a year or two ago. The morning we chatted, he was fresh out of virtual elementary school with his two kiddos. Even as he sits in his restaurant, while still situated very much in limbo, it's a recognition that we're never really standing still at all that inspired him in the first place. So with me, time is always moving. It's in constant evolution. It's in constant progress. Um, that's how I, that's how my food is, my inspiration behind my food. There are our food at Tempest. It's always in movement. It's always moving. It's never a permanent fixture in like the burger, for example, if it needs, it will always evolve and it will always move. Mm-hmm. Whether it's tweaking a seasoning, whether it's changing the ingredient, whether it's changing the set or the, you know, preparation that it's going with. It's our food and like um, me as a culinarian is always progressing and always moving forward. Time is always moving forward. Mm-hmm. Something I've said a couple times this year uh, on the podcast is 
it's kind of my line about time is time is a weird construct in 2020. I can't tell if something happened in early March or last week sometimes. Right. It's all a blur. <laughs> it is a blur. So I just can't help but think that the name seems even more fitting now because right. yeah. It's all kind of been a big blur together. I'm sure for you every day, you know, you put in a lot of work to getting this place open and getting things going. But then now that it is open, it's kind of a blur that was part of that process of getting it open. Yeah. Do you feel like time is, has been a friend to you in this process? Um, I do. I do. And I don't, you know, time is kind of a double-edged sword. You, uh, <laughs> You know, as uh, one of my mentors would always say, procrastination is the thief of time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like, you know, we've kind of used this phrase of like kicking the can down the, uh, or it's been expressed with me is because I'll, I'll tend to like put some things like, yeah, it's not really a priority right now. I'm going to put it down the road. It's like, no, just do it, do it, do it. So it's time, yes, has been in our benefit because we we've been able, you know, if, if we would have been open, if Tempest would have opened pre March, pre pandemic, I don't know if we'd be having this conversation right now. Hmm. Um, so we are, it was kind of, I don't want to say a blessing by any means because it wasn't a blessing, but it, it benefited us to really use this opportunity to switch gears without having a functioning restaurant. You know, yes, it was very frustrating and unfortunate that we had so many construction delays that were out of the control. It was just, that was the most frustrating thing is the things that were out of our control. Like I could not change any of that. Mm -hmm. um, but then too, on the other side, it was also very frustrating because it's like we had, like I'm sitting in a completely empty restaurant right now. And it's like, you know, yeah, if, Maybe, maybe it was if we were open before, then we, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you've learned during this process that you hope you carry with you? One is taking care of myself, um, which has been neglected, I, I mean, for many years. And not just like on a physical aspect, but mentally and like being a better version of yourself, being a better person is one thing that I've really focused on. Um, the other thing is, you know, family. Like I have neglected my children for, you know, the better part of their, their lives with my career choices, my competition choices. And it's like, I have this time right now to, to devote to my family, which was, a, again, a blessing in disguise with some of the construction delays. Like we've, I've gotten to know my family more, uh, my children specifically over the past two years. Whereas before, it's like, you know, I've seen him, I don't know, a couple hours a week, Right. Yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it's hard, but really having the, the ability to kind of take a step back and just see everything and just be like, I need to really need to focus on myself and my family, which are two most important things. All right, so if you want to be part of the Tempest hype, we have an opportunity for you. Dory almost, of course, joining me now via Zoom um, to talk about how Tempest has actually been chosen by a panel of food and travel experts as a nominee for USA Today's 10 Best 
Best of 2020 Reader's Choice Awards for Best New Restaurant. And this is pretty cool because, Dora, I know you were saying that, you know, a lot of times there's listicles for everything. This is actually just 20 different restaurants, and most of them are like East Coast, West Coast, bigger cities than St. Louis. And Tempest is the only one um, from St. Louis that's on this list. And you can vote to make this happen once per day until voting ends on December 21st at noon Eastern. So that's 11 a.m. Central Time, folks. The 10 winning restaurants will be announced on Thursday, December 31st, the New Year's Eve. Um, We'll have information for how you can cast your votes uh, in our story notes for this one. Yeah, let's make it happen. happen. Get them in the top five at least, okay? Let's like make a goal of top five. We can do it. We can do that. I like yeah. it. We need some good news, especially because, um, Dory, you rounded up some news that uh, I didn't like. I don't like this first story at all. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I, um, I texted you before we even got this online. I'm like, um, what do you know? Because apparently there's a fire inside Brennan's, one of your favorite spots in the Central yeah. West End. It's damaged from a fire last week, closed until further notice. They had just moved into this new space after spending nine months renovating. Um, They still don't know how it started, but they don't suspect anything suspicious right now. It's it's heartbreaking. Um, But, you know, I texted somebody I know there who said that they'll be back better than ever. Well, that's a huge setback for them. Another another thing for them to deal with this year. Um, But hopefully, yes, they will be coming back. We do have another restaurant that is not coming back, another permanent closure to report. Mango Peruvian Cuisine on Wash Ave announced that it will serve its customers for the last time on December 19th. They've been open there for about 16 years. They said basically the health crisis is partly to blame, but they're not really focusing on why they're being forced to close. They're just kind of carrying the memories with them. Um, and that they're, they're planning on keeping with them as they move forward. They're just really focusing on the good times that they've had there. It seems like their announcement was actually pretty positive in that way. Wouldn't you agree, Dory? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I think it's no small feat to have a restaurant open in one space, specifically in downtown St. Louis for 16 years like that. So, um, you know what, let's say congratulations to them for uh, a successful restaurant run and uh, cheers to whatever they have next on their plate. Yes, exactly. Well, Dory, this one, this is, yeah, this is interesting that you're already getting information about 2021. Yeah. So we've got a cancellation for St. Patrick's Day 2021. Cottleville has called off its big shamrock run and parade, citing a growing number of new infections. Um, Obviously, that wasn't supposed to take place till like mid March, but they're just saying, you know what? The focus of our charity that runs this is to put people's health and community forward. And if we plan this, that just goes against everything that we're doing. So Mm -hmm. they just think it's the best thing for them right now to put that on hold. Now, as far as some other celebrations that we all, you know, come to expect in St. Louis next year, the downtown St. Patrick's Day Parade is still on for an in-person parade at this time, but the organizers did say that that could change. And then Mardi Gras obviously comes before St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a mostly virtual celebration at this time, especially the 12th night and the pet parade, which I'm kind of curious how the pet parade is going to be virtual, but (laughs) 
I guess we'll see. <laughs> I feel like dogs want to be them. on your Zoom window until you want them to be on your Zoom window. Then they're going to be like, no, nah, I'm not messing with this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, the Taste of Soulard will be a drive through event. Haven't heard any details yet about the big parade and how they're planning on going about doing that. So I guess we'll see on that one probably in the new year. Can you believe where we were? Dory was one of the last times we were in the podcast booth together talking about Marty or talking about St. Patrick's Day. It was because you might remember we were talking about, okay, this one's been canceled. This one's been canceled. This one's still on. And later that night, that's when things started getting canceled that yeah. same night. And I remember having, having to go into the podcast booth to re-record. okay, yeah. this one's now canceled. Literally in the three minutes I was in the podcast booth, I came back out and another event had been canceled. So like, that's how fast things were happening back then. Yeah. St. Patrick's Day events were the first casualties. Yeah. That was the last time we were in the booth together. That's wild. And again, I know we keep talking about time on this episode here, but in some ways that feels like ages ago, but that also feels like just yesterday. And I remember seeing people's pictures, you know, celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And I was like, I don't know about this, but why didn't I celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Because I decided instead to hang out with my grandma that night. And um, now I can't even do that. You know, it's just, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's wild. And um, I will just say, I think it's really respectful, respectable that Cottleville has made that I'm sure very, very difficult call. Yeah. Especially in St. Charles County where they don't have the same types of restrictions. They probably did get some pressure to say, well, let's see, let's see. And, um, you know, keeping the principle of it uh, in mind. And of course, not having Mardi Gras is going to totally suck, but that's, um, you know, you do what you have to do. We don't have a vaccine yet, folks. So we got to keep being safe. Right. Maybe we can just do Mardi Gras in the summer and Ooh. it won't be, you know, we won't have to wear like eight layers of clothing for Mardi Gras. I don't know though, Dora. I feel like that's kind of a saving <laughs> grace is like forcing people to wear lots of clothing on Mardi Gras in St. Louis. Otherwise things could get a little out of hand. <laughs> You're probably right. Maybe I don't know maybe, what kind of Mardi Gras you want to have, off. but <laughs> <laughs> let's talk barbecue, huh? <laughs> Well, Salt and Smoke has come up with a pretty cool concept that I like. They're going to be bringing their barbecue to neighborhoods all over the St. Louis area. They're calling it community catering. They're going to announce on social media where they're going to be about a week before they go. And then they'll launch a website where you can pre-order your food online. And then they're going to take their, what they're calling their super cool van to the neighborhood <laughs> near you where you can pick up your food for the night. So it's sort of like a food truck, but it's just like this big planned event where you can see your neighbors and everybody gather in one spot, it, not super close together in one mm-hmm. spot, but go and get some barbecue in your neighborhood. I love it. You can't go wrong with salt and smoke. And that's a fun mm-hmm. uh, barbecue. You can eat outdoors any time of year, no matter the weather. I think. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then this is one that I think is all year round, but I mean, coming right around the holidays is a pretty good idea. Yes. So if you have a gooey butter cake fan who does not live in St. Louis, you have some great news here. Russell's has announced they're shipping their gooey butter all over the U.S. just in time for the holidays. Um, They actually said that the pandemic and the restrictions that are in place in St. Louis County helped them make this happen. So they Hmm. had originally expanded 
eating in their Fenton location, but now with indoor dining closed, they made lemonade out of lemons and they're turning that space into their gooey butter shipment headquarters. So you can buy your gooey butter on their website and, and ship it out to whoever you want to for a Christmas present this year. Mm, now I want gooey butter cake and lemonade. <laughs> and barbecue oh yeah i mean it's all it's 11 30 in the morning we can that's acceptable i like it (laughs) well that might be the next best thing we have to eat but dory what's the best thing you had to eat this past week well mine was a little treat that i've had a couple times recently so my husband and I, like, we were going all over the place trying to find one of those fancy advent calendars where you get, like, a beer or a wine or day. But we, were just, we did it, like, did, we did it on, like, November 28th. So clearly we were just way behind the game on trying to find those. <laughs> so we decided to make our own calendars for each other. 24 days of gift giving, let me tell you. It has been a challenge and but like a fun challenge to find like little gifts for each other for 24 days. Cause that's like a lot of stuff to buy. That's adorable I though. I love it. Yeah. So every day we have a little thing to open from each other. Um, and twice now Jason did really good. He went to chocolate, chocolate, chocolate and got a couple little truffles. So the first one I had was like an orange mint, dark chocolate truffle. And the second one I had was like a, brunch mimosa with um it had like a really good orange and champagne taste to it so there's just like cute little truffles perfect little stocking stuffer type of things that Mm. it was just like the right amount of sweet and and dessert after dinner one night how about you what was the best thing you had this week Mine was also something I had at home. It's called a cha-cha green tomato relish. Uh, the company is Florence's Home Style. And it's actually, um, it's jarred very like, it's a cute little jar. I'll show you over Zoom. I took a picture of it downstairs in my, in my yeah. fridge there. And it's gluten-free, low-sodium tomato relish. I got the mild. It's sweet and spicy. And it's basically like... I'm actually excited to try it with different things, but I just opened it up and ate it like with tortilla chips, like salsa. And it has the whole sweet heat thing. I've never had anything Mm. that that does it better because it really is like a treat when you're first trying it. And then it gives you that satisfying kind of spice, but the flavor is so good. Um, I got it from Whole Foods actually. And the reason that I picked it up was because they had a little sign that said, Hey, this is a St. Louis product, like check it out. And so I went and bought it and it was about $5 for the jar. So not much different than a regular well-made salsa you'd want to bring home. And it's just been a nice little like treat to snack on. Cause I'm a big snacker this time of year and it's really delicious. I, I love spicy foods, but I don't know if I'd need something spicier because it, again, I like the sweetness of it. So you can pick it up at home foods and support a local company too. And what was the name of it again? It is called Florence's Homestyle is the brand. And it's got a lady's face on the front of it. And it's green, cha-cha green tomato relish. That sounds fun. I like that. I, I know. I'm like, you have me a cha-cha, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So maybe you can pick that up with your shopping. Um, 
this weekend, we are talking about the weekend of December 11th, 12th, 13th. It's winter market season. It's my favorite time of year to go out and find fun little shopping things. They're a little harder to come by this year, but Dory, you do have a few to let us know about. Yeah, there's a couple on Saturday that you guys can get to. The winter market at Cindy City Foundry is coming back for a third week. So this is an outdoor small business market. There'll be about 20 places there. I went last weekend. Um, it was very, I felt very safe. There it was all outside. They have a limited amount of people that they let in at a time and you have to have a ticket to get in. It's still free. You can just, you just need to make a reservation because they're trying to limit the amount of people who get in there. They've got details on the City Foundry Facebook page, so you can get a link there. And also, it was a pretty cool chance for us to get a peek at City Foundry because we hadn't been inside there yet. So it was kind of like we were looking in the windows to be like, oh, that's where the food court's going to be. Yeah. So, And you can get out there and support local and try that out. So that is Saturday from 10 to 4. And then also Saturday, there's a holiday farmer's market in University City. This is another European style market. So outdoors, I know the weather might not be great this weekend. So just dress accordingly, get out there, support local. Um, they'll have all kinds of farm products and foods and little crafts and things that you can buy and support there. And then I also wanted to mention that if you take a listen back to a couple of our previous episodes, we've got some more information on all of the holiday light displays that are happening around the St. Louis area and some other ongoing outdoor things. We've got that in our previous episodes. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, Nine Mile Garden down in Afton, um, something to give you a heads up on. They're doing their winter wonderland pop-up. So essentially they are trying to transform that little space. Um, I'm pretty sure on social media, I saw that they were looking to acquire some giant inflatables. So that, Ooh. I mean, yeah, that's always kind of fun. Um, if, if done well, if not like in my dad's front yard, he never, you know, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> or, um, or you just go out and have like a whole village of them and then it's like, right. okay, this is kind of fun. And then you just like kind of want to like slam into them or is that just me? I don't know. I I just want to like bounce around and all of it. Um, well, I will not be doing that. Don't worry, Nine Mile Garden folks. But um, something else they've decided to do as part of this that I thought was pretty cool is they want to buy 10 real Christmas trees and a very large, the, the quote, very large number of ornaments. And what they want to do is have everyone who comes to the pop-up pay a dollar for those ornaments and that would help decorate all the trees then they would take all the money raised from that and the decorated trees to families in our area who have maybe had a spe oh. an especially hard when 2020 and then you know capping it off with maybe a particularly difficult holiday season um they hope to make it annual so you know if they do it this year and next year it'll be a tradition um and something fun mm -hmm. for people to be able to participate in. I love when people make it easy to give back, you know, if something's fun and simple, um, that doesn't take too much of your time and you can do, you know, if everybody does it, then it makes a big difference. Um, so that's going to be happening in Nama Garden. And so keep an eye out for the big trees. All right. And then if you head on over to Tower Grove Park this weekend, the Sip and Strolls are back. They're doing this Every Saturday in December, they're kind of having a little pop-up bar in the park. It's going to go from 11 to 5, and the folks at STL Barkeep are going to be serving up hot bourbon ciders, Bloody Marys, and other special holiday cocktails. And, of course, a portion of the proceeds are going to go back to helping Tower Grove Park. 
Um, I did also want to mention that there's a slight change in the frosted pop-up bar that's happening at the Piper Palm House in Tower Grove Park. They were hoping to do some sort of indoor seating for that, but they've switched to to-go cocktails only. Um, I can put a link to that and all of our holiday pop-up guard, uh, our guide to the holiday pop-up bars in the episode notes for this story. We've got details on Frosted, um, another new one, Toasted Chestnut, which is at the public schoolhouse in Cottleville. Also, our friend Tib Wiggins is doing Filthy Animal. That's another to-go cocktail option. Maybe so my favorite name, to- by the way, Filthy I, Animal. Yes. Love it. A a little tribute to Home Alone, the best holiday movie there is. I love it. So funny. So we'll put that to the uh, our complete guide in the story notes of this episode. So there's there are people who are the Home Alone folks, maybe the elf or, you know, that kind of like that's kind of my my jam, too, when it comes to Mm -hmm. holiday movies. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the people who are more into I don't know, nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> it's uh, that's kind of more like how my, my stepsister, Marissa, that's like a, her thing. It always kind of gave me the heebie jeebs, but to each their own. Um, and if you happen to be more of a nightmare before Christmas kind of person, there is I tap in Soulard is having their nightmare before Christmas beer event. It is going to look a little different than that usually does. Um, they are going to break the event down into four different sessions, ticketed uh, a limited number of tickets per session. It's all happening on Saturday and you want to hop on and grab tickets as soon as you listen to this because a couple of the sessions are starting to look like they're running a little lower on tickets. Um, You can have one two or four or six people coming through with that. You get a bunch of different types of beers here um, and a glass. And it is, you know, this cool nightmare before Christmas looking glass. It's actually pretty cool. Um, and that's that is something, cool. yeah, that's something that if, if you, if maybe that's your kind of holiday spirit, then there you go. There's a chance for that too. How do you feel about nightmare before Christmas story? Um, you're going to be shocked to hear this. You've never, never seen it, seen have you? Movie. Of course you haven't. Dory, maybe I'll make you a <laughs> list of things to watch while you're uh, maybe getting eating some takeout this weekend. There you go. Yeah, send it my way. I'll, I'll try to check it out. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Abby Eat St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico. And I'm Dory Olmos. Please be sure you are subscribed to our podcast. We want to make sure you get it in your feed right away. And we're working on something extra special for you next week. Um, We're doing kind of a first time thing. And then we want to keep our tradition going by having you all involved in our year end episodes. So make sure you're also following us on Instagram at Abby Eats St. Louis for all of the details on that. And Again, all we want for Christmas is a nice, positive review. We miss hearing from you guys, so we'd love to hear uh, what you're thinking on your favorite podcast platform. Let us know. Uh, Make sure you stay warm and cozy this weekend. Call a loved one and seize the plate.